0: listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Balkum as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum and this is the Save the Marriage podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your marriage wherever you are, however you have started. So Many times I have one person who is coming and listening to this because they're looking for help. Sometimes I have both people who are here. That's great. Either way, you'll get information to help you. Now, it doesn't matter if you're at the beginning of your relationship trying to avoid problems or if you are struggling to get your relationship back to where you want to be. I'm here to give you information and help. And The way we're doing it right now is in a series about the lies we tell about marriage. And by the way, these are often lies people tell as they're headed out, and I don't mean that they are meaning to lie. They're repeating a lie they believe. It's not that they're making this up. It just happens that I've heard these lies many times. So the first episode, we talked about the lie of if it's a struggle, if it's difficult, if there's work involved, there must be something wrong, that somehow a marriage should just be easy, and if it's not easy, something is wrong. We destroyed that lie. The second lie that I talked about in the last episode is that couples should be able to meet each other 's needs all of their needs, and we exploded that lie even with a disclaimer that that doesn 't mean you give up that you 're trying to meet the spouse 's needs, not look for where your spouse is meeting or, or not meeting your needs, which brings us to this episode in this episode. We're talking about the lie that if you fight, it must be broken. That if you're arguing, if you have conflict in your relationship, there must be something wrong with your relationship. I want to first make a disclaimer, though. This is not an excuse for abuse. I do not think that you should be working to save any abusive relationship, whether it is physically abusive or emotionally abusive, this is not the place. Please do not use my material or anybody else's material to try to save a marriage if you are in an abusive relationship. You, especially if you're being abused, you need to get help. You need to find a way of dealing with that. If you're the abuser, you absolutely need to get help. But if you're being abused, you need to take care of yourself. You need to protect yourself. That is not the place to try to save your relationship. Okay, so that's my disclaimer. If you are in an abusive relationship, not just having some conflict, not having some struggle, then please get help. Don't keep listening to this. Go get help. Okay, so what we're really talking about is a normal level of conflict in a relationship that people think is abnormal. In other words, if you have conflict, if you have arguments, if you have struggles, there must be something wrong. Now, before we go on, Let me be clear, the opposite's never more true. So you can't say, oh, so what you're saying is we should always be fighting, we should always have arguments. No, if you're not having an argument, it doesn't mean something's wrong. If you're having an argument, though, it doesn't mean something's wrong. Conflict is a normal part of such an intimate relationship. So why is this lie around? Well, basically, is because we, as a culture, are uncomfortable with conflict. We don't know what to do with conflict. We usually didn't grow up with good models of conflict, and so we don't necessarily know how to resolve conflict. If your family had a way of dealing with conflict, and every family does, you likely either looked at that as the way to do it or the way to not do it. And when we see something of what we don't want to do, we often just go to the opposite. So if you didn't like what your family did, you probably just go to the opposite of that as a resolution point. But the opposite's rarely, as we've talked about in these lives, more helpful than the way you were doing it before. There are two ways that we generally deal with conflict, though. Because we're uncomfortable with it, we either use the fight or flight methodology this is a very primitive way we respond to fears and threats. But basically, fight or flight, and when you take it into conflict, means one of two things. You either avoid the conflict or you explode into the conflict. Both of those are maladaptive ways of dealing with conflict. There are adaptive ways of dealing with conflict, like trying to solve it, trying to move through it, trying to understand where the other person's coming from, trying to find what makes the most sense for everybody involved. Those are all great methods, but the two that many people default to are to avoid it completely. They just walk away from it. They pretend things aren't wrong. They don't speak up when things are not working for them. So they avoid the conflict or they explode in conflict, which is basically their way of overtaking and overcoming the other person with so much conflict that the other person is forced to back down. Neither one of those sound particularly helpful, do they, in resolving your conflict? So we're going to talk, though, about how do we move through this? How do we understand conflict differently? If it's not true that conflict marks the problem in a relationship, we want to know what to do with that. How do we move through that? So first of all, let's understand the difference between your marriage and any other relationship in your life, because... It is true that you can walk away from other conflicted relationships. You don't have to stick around, and that's part of the difference. I once had a man come into my office, and he said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I just quit my job. Now, his job, he, he was very successful. It had provided a lot of resources for his family. And here he was, just one day, he decided enough was enough, and He quit had not talked about it with anyone else, had not talked about it certainly with his spouse, just walked in one day and resigned. So because of that, there was a difference in how his spouse responded and how I did. I simply looked at him and said, well, congratulations, what are you going to do now? His spouse was very upset, was very angry, felt very shut out, and was very scared. So when he came back to my office, he was a little bit confused. He said, you know, you, were, you did it right. I mean, you were just able to congratulate me and my spouse handled it horribly and was all upset. And I looked at him and said, there's a difference. You quitting your job had no effect on me. I can always congratulate you because it has no effect on me, but it did have an effect on your wife. It did have an effect on your life. And that's the thing. There's no other relationship that is containing the possibility of conflict because no other relationship has such a bearing on your life, on what happens next. And so, of course, there's a possibility of conflict in a relationship. Of course, there will be points of conflict in a relationship. That's the nature. You're going to have different opinions about things, different viewpoints about things, and different uh, priorities about things. You will see things from a different angle and believe different things walking into it. I mean, that's just the nature of our all having a different paradigm. We might believe that we're on the same page with a spouse. We might be in the same chapter. Hopefully, you're in the same book, but you're not likely to be on the same page and certainly not on the same sentence as a spouse. You're going to see things differently. And a lot of times, you don't notice that. I mean, that's one of the things where we can fool ourselves probably 70, 80, 90% of our t- the time believing that we are e- exactly the same point, which is why it's so surprising when suddenly things break apart. I talk about the role of intimacy in my Save the Marriage system, and one of the beginning points of intimacy is pseudo-intimacy. It's where we pretend like we see everything just like, we, oh, we agree on all of this. That often falls apart very early in a relationship, but we often slip back into it simply because we're not in disagreement about anything major. And so if something comes up, you probably just let it slide. If your spouse says something about politics or something you don't completely agree with, you might just let it slide. If they have a slightly different tact on something, you might just let it slide until it matters. And then suddenly it looks like you're so far apart. When in reality, you've been apart all along in your viewpoint and in your understanding, you just didn't have it to the point of conflict. You also have a different level of priorities. Maybe you both do see things mostly alike, but there's a slight disalignment in it. Just a slight one. That's all it takes. I had a couple who came to my office and their big argument was how they were preparing for retirement. One person believed that they should save 50 to 60% of what they brought in. That's a huge margin for what most people do. And they were really in conflict. So I was waiting to hear what the other person said, thinking, wow, there, you know, it must be more like in the normal range of saving. And the other person said, well, I think we should only save about 40, 45%. Still, they were way far into the same side of this, right? They both were believing that they should save way more than the general population does. So their difference was not a huge difference. And yet, because it was different, they were in conflict. The fact is, That when you are in an intimate relationship with somebody so tight that your future is bound to them, you are going to have conflict because you are going to have differences of opinion and priorities on how this pulls together. Now, here's the bad news, which is also some good news. John Gottman who studies marriages. He created the Love Lab out in California, where he would bring couples in and watch them and observe them, and they would use a very scientific method to, to score the observations. And with that, he could predict who was going to make it and who was not going to make it, and has had a lot to say about how uh, marriages move forward and, and how you can make marriages better. Well, His study showed something interesting about conflict. What he showed is that 90 I'm sorry that 69% of conflicts in a marriage cannot be resolved. Let me say that again. 69% of marital disagreements are unsolvable. They don't have a solution because they are viewpoint based. In other words, it's people looking at something and having a different viewpoint about that. So they're unsolvable because there's not a solution. There's not a decision that has to be made. It's a disagreement on how they're viewing things. 69%. That means that out of 10 times you might have a conflict with your spouse, seven times it's probably not something that can be solved. So part of the solution here is not to go, oh, so we have to be able to solve every conflict. They can't all be solved. The conflict itself can be resolved, but the conflict uh, specifics may not be. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, one of the very important things I think as a concept is for couples to understand that if conflict is unavoidable, and it is, then the conflict that comes up should be used in service of progress. In other words... Instead of fighting, you should be solving what can be solved. And part of what you're solving is whether it's about understanding, which is a viewpoint issue, or deciding. Conflicts come in three different flavors, generally. Point of view, direction, or decision. Point of view are the ones that cannot be solved in the sense that there's a solution there point of view just means I see it one way, you see it another way, and, and the, the way we solve that, if you want to get to using that term, is by understanding where each other's coming from, but there's not a place where it changes anything, right? I now understand, and now you understand, and we just know that we see things differently. And in some ways, that's a place of getting to a deeper understanding of the other person. So it, it's, it serves in the relationship to move you into a different level of intimacy, I now know you better because I understand how you see the world better. Then there are directions and decisions. Think of the decisions as this car or this car, right? That's, that's kind of, you know, do we buy this car or do we buy this car? That's a decision. Do we buy this refrigerator or this refrigerator? Do we send the kids to this school or this school? Do we buy this dog or this dog? Do we get a dog or not have a dog? Do we have a child or not have a child? All of those are decisions, They are this or this. Even if it's this, this, or this, there's still a decision to be made. The bigger piece, if you step back a little bit, is the direction. Where are we headed in life? Maybe one wants to re- to retire to the mountains, and the other never wants to retire. Or maybe one wants to retire to the ocean, and the other just wants to stay right where they are. Or, you know, maybe they want to decide to upend everybody and go live abroad. Or, you know, so many different ways. Maybe somebody wants to start a, a company, start a business, and they've been in a, in a professional setting or another setting uh, for their career. Or maybe somebody wants to leave the career to take care of family, lots of different places that are basically, how are we moving? What direction are we taking in life? So many times the decisions impact the direction and many times the direction impacts the decisions, but you can break it down into a, do we need to make an immediate decision about this or this? Or are we more talking about the overarching direction of our life? Those are solvable. If it's a viewpoint issue, it may not be solvable at all other than getting to a place of understanding. So if conflict is in service of progress to the relationship, it's the progress of our life together and our understanding of each other. Without conflict, some of that understanding is missing. Some of the progress is missing. Sometimes we have to struggle through something. Remember that first lie I talked about? If it's tough... It's wrong? Well, this is part of that. Sometimes that lie emerges because there's conflict and people are struggling to work through the conflict. So what they would rather believe is any conflict is pointing to something wrong rather than the fact that conflict is just the nature of relationships and we have to work through that to get to a better place. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, let's talk about what can't be solved. The viewpoint issues. They can't be solved, meaning they can't, you can't say, okay, now then we'll decide this or we'll decide this. Directions, you know, let's choose a direction. Cars, let's choose a car or make a decision. All of those pieces are resolved over time. But the point of view, if it can't be solved, what are you looking for? And that's understanding. What we as humans most need from others is to feel understood, understood and accepted. That's a driving force for us. We need to feel understood and we need to feel accepted. Now, one of the things I've noticed is if somebody understands what I say, I don't need them to agree with me. And this is a very clear distinction that is very important for marriage. It's not about getting to the place where you are agreeing with each other as much as understanding each other. If I have some political or philosophical or religious or any other belief, and I tell my wife, I'm not really needing her to agree with me, but I want her to understand where I'm coming from and vice versa. So part of what we have confused is that we believe that if we get to the point of understanding where somebody is coming from, we have to have agreed with them. And what if it's something we don't agree with? Those are very separate issues. Over the course of my career, I've sought to understand how people view the world. That didn't mean I changed what I thought. I couldn't agree with how they saw it, but I could understand where they're coming from. Many times that was enough to continue our conversation and to deepen the relationship because I was seeking to understand their viewpoint. I was trying to draw that out. So when it can't be solved, then the task is to understand, to find some path of empathy, not in agreeing with each other, but getting to the place where you understand the difference. If it's solvable, then I would suggest that you work on making the decision based on we. What is good for us? When we're looking at a decision in life and when we're looking for a direction in life, part of the way we can get to the solving of it is to ask what's best for us? What's best for our family? What's best for us as a couple? Many times it's a binary choice. What's best for you? What's best for me? And so it begins to be a tug of war. Do I get what I want? Do you get what you want? But there's an underlying better position to ask, what about us? What's best for us? That opens up the third option. When you're in a binary choice, it's either I win, you lose, or I lose, you win. When it's a a third option, when it becomes no longer binary, but what's good for us, suddenly there are other options available that may not have been apparent when it's either this or that. Now there is another, another way of measuring it. What would be the best for us? If there's a job to be decided, what's good for you? What's good for me? Or what would be best for us? If there is a move to be made, what's good for you? What's good for me? What's best for us? Begins to change the equation of how we go about thinking about things. What's best for the corporate? What's best for the fact that we're in this together that will help us move to a better place? When we begin to think in that way, we have a team perspective. And a team perspective is why the conflict can serve for progress. So think about those two places where we can move through a conflict. Number one, by understanding each other more deeply. That's conflict in service of the relationship. You can struggle through that and struggle to understand and, and seek to understand where the other's coming from. And so that helps you get to a deeper place of understanding each other as humans and how you view the world. That's progress. Number two, it may be something that can be solved, either a direction or decision. And when you look at it as what would be best for us, you begin to have a whole new place to move from, a way of understanding how the benefit is on both levels. And in that process, you come to a better place of solving it. Either way, what you realize is conflict is not the threat to the relationship. How you move through conflict can be in service of the relationship. I hope this has been helpful. If you need help with your relationship, you need some method of how to move through that because you're so stuck that you don't know how to, please reach out and grab my Save the Marriage system. You can find that by going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. And this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.